Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the PP Encounters podcast. I'm Maria and today I'm joined by Noah, a third year PPE student. Hi. Hello. <laughs> and today is Wednesday, the 10th of March. So two days ago it was International Women's Day. So first of all, happy belated International Women's Day. I hope everyone, I mean celebrate is not the right word in my opinion, but I hope everyone took notice of the day uh, since it's a day to celebrate women and non-binary people for everything that they have achieved so far in fighting for gender equality. But it's also a day to call for a structural change. So today, as part of this bigger picture, we're having a conversation about a campaign that Noah is part of, which tackles toxic ideas of masculinity. Before we start, we just wanted to quickly note that this podcast is mostly centered on heteronormative cis men and women. We didn't make this explicit in our conversation, but we just wanted to mention this before you listen to this podcast, just so you keep this in mind. So since it was International Women's Day two days ago, we want to have a conversation today about tackling norms and toxic ideas of masculinity and manhood. So this is why I have my guest here. Welcome. Yeah, um, thank you. Thanks for having me. I feel honored. Um, so yeah, tell us a bit about yourself and why you became part of this campaign. And also, what is this campaign about in the first place? It's three large questions. I'll <laughs> try to avoid, them up. avoid the first one as much as possible. Um, yeah, I'm Noah. I'm a third year student. I've had the pleasure of uh, being in Amsterdam and at uh, PP for three years now. And the second question was, what's the campaign about? Yeah, maybe start with the name the and name. then we go from right. there. Good point. Let's start with the name. Yeah. So the campaign is called It Starts Here and Gender Violence. And um, what it's about is is including men in the conversation um, conversation for gender equality and essentially recognizing, I think this is also um, my approach or where I see my role in, in that question um, and, and fly towards gender equality is uh, working with men to to have better relations between men and women and other, all other forms of genders. And um, the idea of the campaign is to to display different forms of masculinities or how men um, express their masculinity. So first and foremost, to to make clear that there's not one idea of masculinity, that there are different forms to to be as a man. And the way we do that is that uh, we highlight different men. So there was an interview with me, an interview with Federico, and an interview with Paul, who all talk about um, what being a man means to them. And we give uh, different answers. Um, and the idea is that we can sort of show that masculinity is a spectrum in a way, rather than sort of this one ideal that you fit or don't fit to. Um, so yeah, you mentioned that you gave an interview. I will come back to this later. But you also mentioned the other two guys. So did the three of you start this project or how did the idea come about? Yeah, good question. That's important. So 
the campaign was started by um, a social design um, social design uh, company. Let's put it that way. Um, and uh, the company is called Bürobrak. Um, and so what they did was they took part in a lottery for um, a grant. They proposed this project, right? So as I understand it, and I think this is super cool, um, they do social design. So they're a design agency. They design websites and all that stuff. But the social part is that they design things around that matter. Um, so not just sort of mundane websites, but they also designed an exhibition at the Tropen Museum. Mm-hmm. On, they had an exhibition... On, on race in the Netherlands, I think, maybe I'm mistaken, but so so they design campaigns in a way, right? So it was entirely their idea. Um, and they they pitched this to a uh, to a to a um, competition that was money available and you should pitch your ideas. This is from the city municipality of Amsterdam and uh, they won the money. so they were able to, to do the campaign and then um, they approached uh, amongst others us us three, Paul, Filippo, and me, to be part of the campaign. And the campaign is organized in cooperation with Our Bodies, Our Voice, amongst others, um, and the student student board at the UVA. Um, and Our Bodies, Our Voice is a student-led, non-profit organization by now that works with students um, against and does workshops against sexual violence and uh, does violence prevention, sexual violence prevention at universities in the Netherlands. Okay, that's really cool. I didn't even know about the grant. I just thought it was the three of you starting a project. Also, the for um, listeners who are not in Amsterdam or not from Amsterdam, the Tropen Museum is a museum which um, has a lot of exhibitions on like, colonial history. On yeah, it's an ethnographic museum. That's um, the better way to put it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. oh. it's, it's really nice. So if you ever get the chance, check it out. We mentioned the word masculinity several times. I also want to point out that um, I created a survey which we sent to several students um, from PPE, but also outside of PPE. And there were some questions on toxic masculinity. I chose the wording, which in retrospect might have formed some of the answers or might have pointed it like a certain direction, but we'll come back to that later. Yeah, I mentioned the term toxic masculinity several times. Big word. Big word, very big word. And that's also why I want to define it first. So what do you think it is? Hmm. Putting me on the spot. That's um, the point. Yeah, so I actually don't use the word much. Um, very rarely, actually. Um, and this is, comes a bit out of um, just... Uh, experiences with uh, talking to men uh, around uh, on issues around masculinity and sexual violence and how we identify as men how we express our masculinity and and you don't need to put it on those terms just um, how we engage with people how um, we have sexual relationships how we are with each other um, and my experience has been that uh, a lot of guys um, are not are not used to having these conversations. Um, and that, that particularly with people who don't already have some experience thinking about um, that, well, maybe the way you think of yourself as a man is not the only way and that the environment you grow up in has a certain impact on that. So if you start 
bringing these issues up, I think because it's so uh, contentious and, and hot in a way, like a hot topic, um, I've often encountered people sort of putting up their defense walls and that it seems like it's, if you use this word toxic masculinity, or that's my explanation, that's a very accusative word. That it's something mm -hmm. that, that you, well, that's how it's heard, rather. You accuse someone of being a toxic man. Yeah, and especially an individual. Man. Right, right. And it really sort of, and I think, yeah, so my experience has just been that, that the reaction is to, that it's a bit like finger pointing, right? Mm -hmm. And that the reaction is, is total defense. And the way I've started looking at it, or the, my approach is more so, what I've tried to do is have constructive conversations. And that's been more of a, of a, more of a dialogue and a talking with each other than calling someone out. And I think calling someone out is a really powerful thing, and I think that's why the word is so powerful. But my experience has been it's not necessarily the most productive word to have conversation and change things. And I prefer to speak about harmful forms of masculinity and yeah, ways of being a man that uh, affect the people around you in a negative way. Um, yeah, and we'll get into this further, but that's more so I... I talk about the practice practices and, and what we do as men more than this big, big word. Um. Yeah, I think all of what you just said really corresponds to some of the reactions I got um, to the survey because the term itself triggers a lot of defense mm. mechanisms, I would say. So toxic masculinity does not mean that all men are inherently toxic and it's also mm -hmm. not meant to call out individual actions. I mean they stem from societal pressures and norms. And I did a bit of research. I have a, I mean, it's not a set definition. It's more of a... Working definition. Working definition of what toxic masculinity is. Or maybe it's even better to use the term toxic ideas of masculinity because that... I don't know. I think it brings across the point better. So it's a result of teaching boys they can't express emotions openly, that they have to be tough all the time. So little boys are taught to toughen up and don't cry. And also that everything else makes them quote-unquote feminine or weak. So boys are taught from a very early age onwards that they're supposed to be strong, tough, don't show emotions. And um, yeah, that in turn really triggers some harmful traits, but they're not only harmful to women or people that don't um, identify as male, but also to men themselves. Yeah, and I think that's a really big point to make um, and in having these conversations with more people. And yeah, also things that I've talked about um, and I mentioned this in the interview, and I'm sure we'll come back to it later, but also struggling with um, insecurities about not having sex for a long time. And then me speaking about this and sort of thinking about why, why, why do I feel that way? And does it have to do with what's expected of me as a young college man in that sense? And I've got a lot of really positive uh, responses of people, sort of tell friends telling me, I mean, this, I, I totally feel the same way and, and really it feels like, um, yeah, sort of exactly what you're talking about, right? That it's not just about uh, men perpetrating sexual violence, but also how, how we are as men. And that a lot of the things that I struggled with ultimately as a teenager and in my first years in college, I just didn't think were necessary at the end of the day. 
um, and that that's unnecessary pressure. Um, yeah, but were you aware of the fact that it was because of these norms or did you just think I'm going through something? Yeah, so, I mean, also I want to, I, 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 I much rather actually ask the question in terms of, because we talk about norms around masculinity, right? And sort of a really sort of a, an, a big question I've had is, the 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 point you mentioned about uh, negative impacts of how boys and men are raised how we are in school what we think we should do uh what a woman what a man should be um the overwhelming majority of sexual violence is perpetrated by men there's i mean yeah overwhelming majority and that's that's for me that's the the very least point of why men should engage in the conversation around sexual violence and equality um, because most sexual violence is perpetrated by men um, but I also wonder like is it is that really I mean is it really like just because the how men are raised and what we think because that's an incredibly powerful thing no if mm -hmm. if the way sort of we identify as men leads to the fact that most sexual violence is perpetrated by men like that's crazy to me Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to point out that this, like the way men and boys are raised shouldn't be seen as an excuse. No, for, absolutely not. Yeah, for sexual violence or abuse of any kind. But I think because boys are taught from this like very early age on that they are supposed to be tough and yeah, they're not taught how to process or deal with their emotions. And that's one factor why men are more violent than women. They're more likely... Mm to commit violent crimes, but they're also a greater risk of being the victim of a violent crime. Hmm. Yeah, it, it harms men. Yeah, I mean, also, it doesn't have to be physical violence, right? I mean, a lot of things that I think about is, is stress, anxiety, worry, um, in situations where you're supposed to be a man and you're supposed to conform to certain ideas. I mean, also just to, because these, these some of these from the conversations, and also I've, I've took part in some workshops um, by another organization that's called the Good Lad Initiative and that works with uh, our bodies, our voice in Amsterdam and holding workshops specifically with men talking about these things, trying to start a conversation. And we've actually, as a matter of fact, um, had workshops at PPE two years ago, a mm -hmm. uh, workshop with men in a mixed gender group. But a lot of the things or sort of an, that that sort of comes back uh, if these come if you start these conversations is that one I'm not saying the experiences I've had every man has them right that's very much my experience and I'm well I think we're both also not saying that every every young boy or every man that walks around was raised in those ways right I mean people mm -hmm. are raised differently people have different experiences but the question I'm asking is that I I, I keep finding myself um, having sort of similar tendencies in terms of or similar experiences with other men. And so I think just to, to, to take that criticism away or, or sort of avoid that criticism, we're not saying everyone is raised in, a, in, in the same way, but it seems like there are some common threads in, in, in some common, common trends, right? So, so, mm -hmm. so that's sort of the, the way I think about um, these, these norms you talk about. Yeah, there's a pattern. It's not to say that every individual has been brought up in the same way, as you pointed out. You mentioned that as yeah, when you talked to other guys, you realized that um, some of the 
experiences you had were very similar. And you also talked about this in your interview um, when you were asked the question when you first became aware of your gender and that your reply, um, maybe you can repeat it, but it really, um, that really hit home because I'm on the other side and I had the exact same experience just from, yeah, from the other side. Yeah. So what I've come up with is um, that when I was young, a young teenager, so I think I'd say like 13, 14, I would say something like that. I, um, yeah, I just remember that um, I started being out at night and we would hang out with our friends and that the, the girlfriends of ours, um, the people we were hanging out with, they at some point would be picked up sometime around 12 by their parents and they had to go home because it was too late, but also because they were women. So, um, yeah, so that's the moment I, I've, I would say that I can think of that makes that, that difference in gender most explicit. Yeah, we got a lot of responses on the survey, which were all super similar. So guys talking about that they were allowed to stay out longer than their sisters, that they weren't scared at night, and they only realized that girls might be scared to go mm. home alone at night after they talked to their girlfriends. Yeah, I also remember a conversation I've had with my parents when I was, I don't know, 14, 15 probably. And I was trying to bargain to stay out longer because I have an older brother and he was always allowed to come home whenever. Um, and then my mom said, yeah, we know it's unfair, but it's just your girl, your brother's bigger, stronger. He's a guy, so it's just not as safe for you. That was a hard pill to swallow. So can I return the question to you? When did you realize first that you were a woman or you were a girl? Um, I, I don't know. I couldn't pinpoint a moment. But in retrospect, I was sort of a tomboy, which in itself is telling. Because why, why is it called a tomboy? Just because I enjoy to play soccer. And yeah, I couldn't, I, I wouldn't know, honestly, when I realized, but... There are certain moments that stand out now in retrospect, especially compared to what my brother was allowed to do and what I wasn't. Yeah, maybe we should just to pinpoint, because I think it's a really good question to ask yourself if you're thinking in an entry question. And what we've done or what happens in, in the workshops we've done is that there's then a conversation between the men and the, the women in the group about that point. And more often than not, the point differs largely. So maybe for our listeners, ask yourself the question and then find someone from the opposite gender and, and talk to them about when that was. Chances are that your, your women friends uh, will have noticed much earlier than you have, which is t saying something about the perspective men can have, right? Sort of the things you see and the things you don't see. And if you have all the benefits, it's not so easy to see what you don't, I mean, or what other people don't have, because for you, it's it's natural. Yeah, also a lot of the responses on the survey were about this question, because I asked if you do not identify as male, when was the first time you felt restricted by your gender? And a lot of people replied that they realized this in school already, like at maybe seven, six, seven years old. And then also, as I was talking about uh, not feeling safe going home on your own, and I also asked a question which targeted people that identify as male. 
when was their first time that they became aware of the privileges that come with their gender. And yeah, it was basically what Noah just told us when they realized that they could go home on their own without um, feeling unsafe. Was that would you would you also say that was the first time that that you realized you were constrained by your gender, or was there another point? I think I I wouldn't say it's the first time. It was definitely memorable. I don't have any other experience that I memorize so clearly. But also, like sometimes the way my grandparents talked to me, I mean, they didn't mean it in a bad way. Of course not. Of course not. That's yeah. That's why it's so difficult to talk about it because most of most of the time most people don't have bad intentions but yeah i also i actually had this experience very recently so my grandma was talking to me she was like so what do you want to do after your studies and i mean with PPE, this is a very difficult question so i was just you know winging it <laughs> so i i told her like yeah maybe a journalist we'll see and then she turned to my brother she was like oh hey Sounds like a job for you. I was out of the conversation. That um, that was tough. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that. Yeah, sorry to hear that. Oh. Okay, I think you touched up upon this earlier on. But why do you think it's so important that guys talk about this? Because there's often talk about who's allowed to speak, who should we mm. try to um, empower, or who should this stage be given to. So why do you think mm. it's so important that guys talk about it. Yeah. I have a couple interrelated interrelated thoughts. So the first one thoughts. The first one is is connecting to the survey question. Mm -hmm. Because one of the questions was about uh right, I mean sort of when you realized your gender was was restricting you in a way, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really powerful question because I've been asked that question and I had to think really, really hard and there's nothing that jumps to mind immediately for me. And unless in the in the recent last recent years, so I think that's that's um, that's already pretty telling. And I would also again encourage our listeners to to ask themselves that question. Um, and you talked about who who should be empowered to speak, right? And who should be given a platform. Um, and uh, another, and this is this is what I, I think my main my main my main goal in a way. Is to to manage to um, to create space for different perspectives in in how men see other people in a way. And I'm speaking very in very broad terms, but an easy way to boil it down is I, I'm really often astonished by how heated group discussions play out. And this is a frequent uh, occurrence in PPE, right? I mean, we always yes, right, and when we love to do it, and you know, um, it gets back and forth and, and whatnot. But I, I really find it interesting that more often than not, that heated discussion will be dominated by guys. And 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 this is, I mean, I, this is something that, that uh, happens over and over again. And that doesn't mean there will be no women speaking, um, but it will mostly be guys. So if you think about um, who speaks, um, that's, that's, that's an issue. And interestingly, um, a lot of guys might not necessarily notice. I've talked to this about friends, and I've always encouraged people like maybe maybe watch out for this. And it's quite astonishing how really how we, what you perceive can change, right? In terms of how what you thought was normal or things you didn't even recognize, you start to recognize. And so on the question of um, 
why should why should or who should be given a platform to speak? Um, everyone involved, I think. And I mean, of course, there's um, there's a question of, um, for example, since we had we had the the uh, events on PPE and we had a, a workshop exclusively for men. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that men usually don't talk about this, and that sort of it, it needs quite a bit of a, a special space, space in a way, to create an environment where you can discuss these things and you can you can get young men to to speak about this, because usually that conversation is held in terms of women, and and women are speaking about this most of the time, I, I would say. Mm-hmm. And after that, we had a mixed gender workshop where we talked about boundaries and communication, uh, but what we didn't have is an explicit exclusive workshop for just for people who identify as women right Mm -hmm. and uh, there was some criticism about this at the time i felt it was a bit unjustified because my perspective and this speaks into sort of how i think about this what was that women are already talking about this and it's the men that are not Mm -hmm. and the, the the aim is to get men into that conversation uh in retrospect i I do think that would be good it would have been good to have a workshop just for women um Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, if, if we really want to do something about this, men need to be involved. So, you know, what sort of proportion of, I also don't think now it should uh, only be men that speak about this issue. And every time you talk about gender equality, it'll be a bunch of men sitting on the podium. I think that's not the solution. But I absolutely for sure think that men should be more involved um, because I think that's where the conversation isn't happening. Mm-hmm. And I think it should. Yeah, I agree with you. But it's interesting um, that you talked about who gets to speak in yeah group conversations because I noticed that sometimes that guys just don't really think about when they interrupt other people speaking. They just sort of see it as their right to talk. Not necessarily even as their right. Like They don't even question it. And also one, um, one person responded to the survey that in retrospect she... Uh, had become aware of the restrictions of her gender yeah looking back at back at her conversations that she had had and realizing who had spoken the most and yeah from the response i gathered it was not her or her female friends can i can i add something to that yes because i think the point i really want to drive home is uh, differences in perspective and that i mean and this is also very general and and hyperbolic way to put it but i would say that there's a tendency that men are not being taught to listen and 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 observe in a way um in the same way as women are and also i think maybe just uh, by virtue of what you engage with and 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 in that sense so i would also um and this is not a topic people like to speak about but i also think that there's, there's a difference um between uh how how aware guys are of the prevalence of sexual violence in their friends group mm-hmm. and and women um i mean i since i've i've thought and, and worked on these things for a couple of years now i'm still i'm still sort of i'm still seeing i feel like i'm seeing more and more there came a point where i recognized that that sexual violence was a problem and it wasn't a problem in statistics or on the news or far away chances are people in your most closest circle women in your most closest circle have suffered from uh, sexual violence um and i i'm really um i'm really astonished by 
uh, how oblivious a lot of men are to that. Um, and yeah, that's another, I'm not sure how far you want to get into that, but I think that's, ju that's just uh, another thing that where I think um, we need to manage as men to have a bit more of a um, better perspective and see more things and be open to them in a way, right? And I think sort mm -hmm. of part of the problem is that As men, we since we never we never have the problem that we need to change dresses or like wear something else when we go home because we have mm -hmm. to worry about how safe that is. Uh, that we're not faced with these these um, struggles in a way, and then it's easy to think that they don't exist. Um, yeah, I think it's important that you mentioned this because, I mean, I'm not making this quote up. This is it exists. I read it somewhere. But all girls know another girl, at least another girl, that has become a victim of sexual violence or assault. But for some reason, no guy knows any other guy that not was so a perpetrator. Many. And I would I would add to that, and a perpetrator for sure not right. That 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 yeah. doesn't exist. But and and also, I think part of the problem might be if we think about you know what does going out look like for us. What does flirting look like for us as as young adults? And what do we think is okay and what is not okay? So if you think it's a totally normal thing to slap or to grope women in a club, essentially, as I did when I was a young teenager, I thought that's what flirting was like. You just That's just part of sort of how you engage. Mm -hmm. And of course, you're not going to know any other perpetrator of sexual violence because that's not sexual violence, but that's wrong. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So, and I, I mean, I would also say that most men probably don't know any of their friends that are victims of sexual violence, which is also not true, right? Yep. I haven't really thought about that aspect, but that's also true. I also, I mean, we're not going to come up with a solution, but we're trying to have a conversation here. So I was yeah. thinking, like, what are more things that we can do on a daily basis? And do you think that there is a need for more male role models that just question what masculinity means sounds like a layup to to the it starts here campaign <laughs> um yeah I, well absolutely i do otherwise i wouldn't i wouldn't be here and um yeah and i really encourage and that's really what the campaign is about right exactly what you're saying um portraying different ideas of what being a man can be and saying it's okay it's okay if if it's okay If sex for you isn't about the sex itself, but more so the emotional connection. And that's also what I had to experience, right? I mean, I've um, gone to, through turmoil um, thinking, man, what's wrong with me? Like, I, I, everyone's having all these hookups and that's, that's what you should be doing, but it's not really what you want to do. But somehow you should do it because then you're cool, you know, and, mm -hmm. and sort of this, this dynamic. Um, and yeah, no question. Go check out the website. <laughs> Um, yeah, please do. And read the interviews. They're really nice and eye-opening, I would say. Yeah, do you have any closing remarks? Because that's how far I planned. Um, I, I, To be honest, I, I just uh, encourage particularly uh, men to allow for the possibility that how you experience the world and what you think is a problem and not a problem in terms of gender relations might not be entirely true. So just to be open to have a, having conversations, and that's what the campaign is about, right? The campaign is called It Starts Here, to start a conversation, and the campaign isn't called Noah as the Answers. 
And I really encourage men to talk more about these things. Um, what does sexuality look like? Just in terms of, uh, and also talking to your friends, seriously. I mean, that's, and being um, emotionally open with your friends and having good conversations and not thinking that being a man means uh, I have to do perfect in PPE, I have to hook up with a lot of girls, I need to have figured out my life and I sh can't show a single crack. That's also an illusion that I think is really so uh, harmful for yourself yeah. in a way. Yeah, and I think what you mentioned is you should talk to your friends and the people who you are close to because that's where you can make the most impact. It's also more difficult to talk to people you're close to than just repost a story on Instagram. Right. Um, sorry if I'm calling out anyone here. <laughs> But I, I think it's important that you have these conversations, especially with those that are so close to you because that's where it matters most. Yeah, and maybe next time you're on a date, Uh, think about the other person in a more genuine way and uh, yeah just uh, I think that's I mean we haven't talked about this much right also it's the PPE podcast so not sure how much we are supposed to talk about sex but um, yeah um, that really at the end of the day also sex should be something that you do together um, and where you want both people to have a good experience all the way through from when you meet to when you sleep together so Being mindful of each other and attentive and communicating well. And this is tough, but um, there, if, if you allow and if you're open to this, um, it can be a better experience. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to this. <laughs> Just one last question. This might open up a bigger conversation, but... Let's um, do it. You talked about that it's important that guys have these conversations with each other. Obviously, that's the first step and it's very important. But what do you think... Like, how can women become more aware of harmful expectations they have for guys? Because it's not only that men are taught to, I don't know, suppress emotions, but also if guys show emotions, some women tend to perceive them as weak. Yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> I'm, not sure I have a, I'm not sure I have an answer to this. I'm not sure I have an answer to all of that. Um, I, I think it's not helpful. Um, But at the end of the day, it also just speaks to that this is not a, a men, women, or other genders question. It's, it's something, it's about gender relations at the end of the day. So it involves all of us. And it doesn't mean that only men need to figure out how to think about masculinity in a better way. It also, as you point out, might mean that some, some women have to reflect. On, and yeah, at the end of the day, I really just uh, hope that we talk about this more. Yeah, just to close this off, another quote I stole from another podcast. So yeah, talking about masculinity or tackling what toxic ideas of masculinity mean should be as important to women as feminism should be to men. Fair enough. Let's end it at that. <laughs> okay, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Noel, for coming on here. Oh, it was my pleasure. It was an honor to be here. It was a really nice conversation. Um, I hope we can continue it after the podcast and everyone can start a conversation. Make sure to follow us on Instagram. It's at PPE underscore encounters. And let us know what you thought about the episode. And also make sure to check out the other episodes we already recorded. And thank you so much to The View Radio that we were allowed to record in their studio. Also make sure to follow them on Instagram. It's at VU Campus Radio. Yeah. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Bye bye.